As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Rates and Barrels, presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. Derek Van Riper, Bridget Rowley, Eno Saris, here with you on this Friday. Friday, July 2nd. That is the day. That is the date. It's only confirmed to me by my computer. I honestly don't know what day it is. Uh, two out of three of us are in completely different places. I feel like I'm podcasting with one shoe on, if that makes sense. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is I'm sitting in a chair that is not mine, at a desk that is not mine, at a laptop I don't normally use, and everything looks and sounds and feels weird, but I'm happy to be talking to you guys because there's uh, a lot going on right now. All-star selections have been revealed. The starters for both the AL and the NL, so we'll dig into that. We've got a nice holiday weekend in front of us, so we'll answer a few sticky stuff questions that have come into the mailbag in the last couple of days, uh, and we'll, t- we'll talk about beer of the month. It's time. It's a perfect day for beer of the month. So some fun stuff here today uh, and, and a hot dog eating contest prop maybe if we have time as well because Gross. why not? When, when in Rome. The grossest thing we do as a race or if you – it's a – what, what, what is that? It's so yeah. gross. I can't even watch it. It's I agree. disgusting. It's reached a level where it's pretty bad. Like in the 1960s when it was just actually eating a hot dog and not dunking it in water and tearing oh. it apart. It was probably like the winner could eat three or four, and that was that was cool. Like, oh, he ate four hot dogs. Here's a trophy. <laughs> it's I wonder if it between... ever was that low, but you know, it is a little bit like the sticky stuff thing, right? Like, it's gross because we science the crap out of it, right? Like, yeah, I saw something where he was like Joey Chestnut was talking about like his, or no, I think it was the Japanese guy was talking about his method, and he was like, or and, like, is Crazy Legs the one that like? goes up and down and he was talking about like i do that to like keep like push to tamp the stuff down and like it, it, it oh, dunk yeah. into the water and then there was like a whole discussion about like if you puke it only counts if you eat the puke back and i was Awful. just like oh <laughs> stop stop <laughs> you guys in like a few hundred years they're gonna study this race and they're gonna say <laughs> this is what they did for fun <laughs> and i just think that's all you need to know they yeah. are going to be amazed that we made it that far into the future when they look back at how stupid we collectively all are in the present day. 
Um, on that happy note, though, let's start with the All-Star selections because those were announced on Thursday, and uh, we were going to talk about players that we felt deserved to be on the team anyway. Looking at the AL starters, uh, Sal Perez behind the plate, Vlad Jr., an All-Star for the first time at first base. Uh, you got Marcus Simeon, Rafael Devers, and Xander Bogarts on the left side of the infield. Trout Judge Teoscar Hernandez, another Blue Jay in the starting lineup. And, of course, Shohei Otani as the DH. A lot of talk about him possibly pitching in the All-Star game as well as hitting, which would be, I think, a first, at least in 100 years. <laughs> I have never seen that. I didn't think we'd ever see that. I don't, they, didn't, they didn't have All-Star games when Ruth was around, right? No. They No. They started in, I believe, I wrote about this the other day when I wrote about Dave Martinez getting snubbed. I think they started in the 30s. Does that sound right? Because the only year they missed was the year for the war. So actually, I'm almost positive uh, it started in the 30s. Um, I was I was surprised that uh, it was the star selection for Simeon and Castellanos. I kind of just assumed that they would have been selected. Like, maybe even in like the Adam mold is like, here's our tiger. <laughs> <laughs> here's our you know on a bad Oakland team maybe like here's our A you know but uh, no first ones great season first selection for both of them yeah the NL starters Buster Posey Freddie Freeman Adam Frazier at second base probably the biggest surprise on either of the two uh, starting lineups Nolan Arenado Fernando Tatis Jr. Ronald Acuna Jr. Castellanos and Winker uh, as you mentioned Eno I'm being I'm being unfair to Frazier though he got voted in yeah, he got voted in. Yeah, this is not the like we need a, a pirate, <laughs> right? Like it's no, they don't even need to do that, which is actually nice. Well, I, I mean, why weird. did Tiasco Hernandez get voted in? Yeah, you're talking about a poor defensive player with okay offensive stats. Um, yeah, I'm going to go on a tirade here a little bit and mention Cedric Mullins. <laughs> yes, more Cedric Mullins propaganda. My main issue is that in a just world, it wouldn't even be close. The guy yeah. has the best war among all AL outfielders. Yeah. So I, I understand why Mike Trout and Aaron Judge with those get voted in. They're big names. In Judge's case, it doesn't matter what he does. He's going to get voted in, right? Whatever. Big market. However, yeah. explain to me how a guy with a just over a one war in Toronto beats a guy with a 3.7 war in Baltimore. Explain to me how that even remotely happens when you look at Mullins defensively, he's better. When you look at him offensively, it's not even close. When you, if you're just going to look at one stat, people treat war as the all encompassing stat and his war is better than Trout's and better than judges and better, much better than Hernandez. So outside of the fact that Baltimore is a small market, the team is terrible. They didn't really do much, but put his face on a few donuts and said, vote for said, um, outside the fact that maybe I was the only person eating the donuts and, and drinking the orange Kool-Aid. Um, you know, it, it's not really fair. They're going to get a token Oriole in, but this shouldn't yeah. have been a token job, damn it. This should have been an actual worthy thing. And I, I'm yeah. upset. I am bothered um, by this. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a tough outfield in uh, the, the National League uh, with Castellanos and Winker both having like sort of MVP stuff. So I can understand and why maybe Brian Reynolds didn't make it, um, you know, to be the pirate. But, and and I'm not, like, trying to be a war absolutist, but, like, uh, Cronenworth did have, he has, like, 0.2 more war than Frazier. I'm not saying 
it's based on war. But I do think what's interesting is you have these markets, right? I think the market is a big deal, right? Like that's always, that's what we're talking about with Judge. And you have Cronenworth um, and Muncie who are in bigger markets, at least in terms of like all-star voting, I think. Um, you know, whether or not San Diego is a big market is a big discussion, but um, I would say they're bigger markets for votes than Pittsburgh, right? So I'm a little, I guess I'm just a little bit surprised it's not Cronenworth or Muncie uh, doing, uh, playing second base uh, for the National League team. How much of this is is a matter of timing, though? Because Muncie's been red hot in the last couple of weeks, and he missed some time previously. So if he'd gone on this binge just a couple of weeks ago, it might have been easier for him to claim that spot. I mean, again, by war, clearly the best second base capable player in the NL. Ozzy Albee's also playing really well. It just seems like, I don't know what it is about him. Like, he doesn't stand out as a star on that team as much as he probably should because of Acuna. Like, he's an amazing player in his own right, kind of on pace for about a, a 30-20 season at second base. I mean, he'd be a perfectly fine selection too. But Adam Frazier has had a good year. I just think he probably average. should have been a backup. Love the yeah. batting average. He's hitting three twenty six. It's pretty empty, though. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, not a lot of power, not a lot of speed. I mean, moves around a little bit. I just, I don't understand why he's a starter. That's that's a that's a big upset. Like, congrats to him. I hope he enjoys it. I just think it's not the, <laughs> not the best selection based on performance to this point in the season. And that's what this is. Like, this isn't a career achievement award. It's just who has been the best in the league to this point in the season. Who's had the best first half? And I think to break ties, maybe you can look back at the previous season if you have to. If you get two comparable players. Otherwise, maybe you go on career as like the second tiebreaker, but it really should be about what's happening this year in a showcase of the game's best players right now. Yeah, no Juan Soto, no Mookie Betts in the outfield in the NL. I mean, I'm sorry. If I'm making an all-star team, yeah, like I'm, those guys are in it. Uh, Those guys are starting. I want to see those guys play. And I understand Soto has been human for a good chunk of the season, um, but he's still Juan Soto. And I just think, the point of the All-Star game is for the game to be celebrated on a national stage. You want your best players there. Um, you want your best healthy players there, right? Like, they need to do away somehow. There needs to be a – is there a minimum of games played in order to get voted in? No, there should be. Like, Brian, I think as long as you're on the ballot, you're good. Yeah, yeah. like Mike Trout obviously has Maybe been hurt, to get will not play. Though. Like, so then you see this shuffling that I think is unnecessary, right? Like, they go 10 down because everyone declines or is hurt, the guys who get voted in. So, like, in what world was Brian Buxton, who was great, but then hurt, and then came back and got hurt in the first game, got outvoted, got more votes than Cedric Mullins, right? So, I, I think we need to change a little something with the requirements here. Like, uh, like to, to get the batting title, you have to have a minimum plate appearances. Why couldn't we do the same thing here? Also, if if like people are like, who cares? It's an exhibition. Uh, it, it it does matter though, because you know we're gonna be Hall of Fame voters, uh, you know, at some point, and like maybe I won't necessarily count the All Star appearances, um, but people will. So now you're talking about like, what if Ozzy Albies has a borderline Hall of Fame? case in his you know when he ends his career which he could like if he keeps this up he would have kind of a borderline like it's all about longevity for the hall of fame but like let's say he keeps it up but he gets snubbed three or four times in his best years and doesn't make the all-star 
and he gets to the end. He has a borderline case, but he's only been an all-star once. You know somebody's not voting for him because they're like, why was he only an all-star once? Well, because Adam Frazier was once, you know? Yeah. You know, this other guy was, and it, you know, we didn't, we didn't really nail down the requirements and we, you know, the voting was just sort of haphazard a lot of times it seems. And so sorry, Ozzy Albies, you're not a hall of famer. You know what I mean? (laughs) That seems kind of crappy. (laughs) It's not that crazy, right? No, it's not. And you know what? I I know we talked about the stacked outfield already, but like Michael Brantley with Houston, doesn't he deserve a nod? I think Brantley, if you're making a list of most underappreciated players, especially if we really focus on just offense and throughout defense, Brantley's pretty high on that list. He's yeah. a very good player. He's been a consistently good player, and he's really done a, a good job staying healthy the last couple of years, too. Injuries really uh, plagued him throughout the back part of his career in Cleveland, but he has turned into one of the more consistent offensive players in the game over the last couple of years. Maybe it's because the eye-popping home run totals aren't there. Like Maybe that's what people look at with Brantley and, and kind of used to dismiss him, but uh, absolutely a deserving player. And I think just to your point on, on Mullins, Britt, I mean, I think there's a very good chance. It's something people have been kicking around uh, on Twitter the last couple of days. Cedric Mullins is probably going to get a chance to replace Mike Trout in the starting lineup, right? Trout's not going to play in this game because he's in the 60-day IL. So there's a very good chance that Mullins ends up in the starting lineup, even though the voting public didn't get this right. Yes, that's true. But I guess I'm just one like it's an honor to these guys to be voted in as starters. I don't think people realize that either. Um, back when we used to be allowed in the clubhouses, um, it was a big deal when it used to get yeah. announced, not during a game. Like last night, these got announced during a game, but it used to get announced in the morning. The and it game. would be embargoed. Yeah, it'd be like embargoed. The guys would find out before the game, get called into the office. And then, you know, later at 4 p.m., I think on like a Sunday or something, it used to be announced. And Guys take pride in that, in, in, in being voted in. Like, Cedric Mullins is still going to enjoy it if he gets to go in place of Mike Trout. However, Cedric Mullins, yeah, Cedric Mullins has had a better season than Mike Trout, which is maybe a phrase you won't ever be able to utter again at any other point in time. And I just think that's, it's a little unfortunate. I also just feel bad for guys like Joey Gallo, where, you know, War says he's having a great season. You know, all this a 20% walk rate, 20 homers, just a really good all around player. And he just doesn't have a good badge. So he just never, you know, he's just not going to get voted in. And it, it's just one stat, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He strikes out no, a little he, bit too much, but he's a, he's an all, like, he's a, an all star level player for me. Joey Gallo, like, dude hits rockets, moonshots. I think there's a little bit of, of what we talked about with Muncie going on with him too, though, where Gallo has been red hot for a few weeks. Had that production ticked up a little sooner, that might have caught the attention of more people casting a ballot. But how would we fix this? I like, Britt, there was some like actually concrete stuff in there about like, you know, plate appearances and quali- maybe they only batting average, only batting title qualifier can be talk, it can be on the ballot. Maybe that sort of thing. I don't, we don't know if that's how that that works right now or or uh maybe take them off the ballot when they're on the il like if they're if they're going to be on the il if they, they're scheduled to be on the il through the all-star game just take them off the ballot then yeah, cedric mullins good point. kind of gets voted in and feels the pride of being voted in right because then you right. just sort of remove those votes 
But then I guess right. that's uh, mean to Trout because then he doesn't make the All-Star game because he was hurt. But he's hurt. Do you think Mike Trout believes in his heart that he deserves to be a starter at the All-Star game this year? Right. I don't. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So so that's – I like that. But uh, do we – like – do we we don't want to take the votes out of the people's hands, do we? I don't think there's a good way to do that because MLB likes to draw like drum up support, right? So yeah. they like the fans to feel involved. I have long thought that the fans should only vote for like the reserves and that the players and you know the peers in the game should do the starters hmm. and the fans should do the reserves. But I don't see that changing. Yeah, because then okay, yeah. then the Aaron judges of the world get their automatic ticket to go right and not saying that Aaron Judge shouldn't be in the all-star game I think he should but we've seen cases where Red Sox and Yankees who absolutely don't deserve to go just get voted in because they're fan favorites like how many all-star games did Derek Jeter go to where he wasn't even doing that well yes so I think like you want to put those big names big market names on the team somewhere fine but the starts I think should be up to the coaches and the players just the peers Maybe there's something we can do as media too, where we elevate something else to the importance uh, of All Star, right? So like, uh, there's like first team selections, right? Like at the end of the season, where right? Do they they do that, right? First team for well, I, it's a basketball thing, you know? Like yeah, no, they, yeah, they don't do that in Major League Baseball. Which, it, it's something that it's done in other sports. It's done at lower levels. I mean, if you're in high school, you make first team All Conference. That's a big deal. Yeah. I think we should do that because that is a little bit more then I might care about that for Hall of Fame voting. I'm saying like, oh, he yeah. had like six, you know, first team selections. That's better too because it's the end of the season, right? Like, and, and it, you can look at an all-encompassing thing. Um, and then if you sort of elevate that, uh, then you kind of take some of the importance away from the all-star selection in terms of Hall of Fame and, and career accolades. You, you give them something else where like, oh yeah, Cedric Mullins was the first team AL outfielder uh, that year, you know? Uh, and you give them that reward that's based on their play uh, because a lot of the awards that we do have are kind of like all or nothing. You're either, you're either the best hitter in baseball or maybe like a finalist. You can maybe talk that, like if, you're a, if you are a top three MVP like uh, award getter, like getter, like that, you might be able to put that on your resume, basically. But um, you know, if we had first team selections, then uh, then the All Star game, you could be like, fine, he was he was not an All Star, but Ozzy Albies was a, a first teamer, or even second teamer. I mean, like, why not do that? Like, we'll, like give people uh, like that had really good seasons all around the diamond uh, some love. Yeah, I like that in a weird way. I mean, I know it's the Midsummer Classic; it's when the game's always been played. It'd be better if the game was played at the end of the season for these purposes, but then you get into the situation like you have with uh, the Pro Bowl in the NFL where no one wants to play yeah. and you get teams that are going to go to the Super Bowl that aren't playing. And it's like the third and fourth selections at each the position end up like oftentimes really getting those chances. Awful idea. It's the worst. <laughs> like when? Yeah. What? <laughs> it's really, really the, bad. The Super Bowl? Like, yeah, it's, it's all bad. The other players that aren't going to. <laughs> like weren't good enough to be in the Super not Bowl. The, not the guys, not the best guys, but all the other guys. Yeah, it's not <laughs> just the I guys who would show up again before the Super Bowl. <laughs> Aside from the fact that the game doesn't lend itself to playing exhibitions without you know hurting people badly, yeah, <laughs> you right. can't you can't actually play hard in that game. And I don't know, it's just a, it's a total mess. This, so do you think the baseball All Star Game actually looks the closest to the regular? Like people slag it all the time, but like 
I think it actually might look the closest to regular play. Yes, because like the end, like the pace of play in the NBA All Star Game is ridiculous. One third, one half the speed of a of a regular season game. I mean, it, it is it, it is very very laid back. No, but but also they there's no defense at all. So the, the pace is like a little bit lower, but then the score is like one one sixty. It's like what is this? This is a basketball game, you know? Right. Yeah, and the hockey all star game is the same way, where it's like you'll get twenty goals in the all star game. Uh, which I've is never watched one. Kind of fun, but it, is that a regular it, score? It's just, like ten to eight or something? Mm-hmm. That's weird. Yeah, and then then at the pro the Pro Bowl comes in low because no one can do anything. So I would agree with you that this is the one that looks the most like the actual game that we're watching uh, throughout the season. Uh, the other names that I thought were kind of interesting: Adelis Garcia. Do you think he gets in as a reserve, or do you think he falls just short because Gallo or one of the other Rangers gets in instead? Yeah, I think the Rangers are too bad of a team to have that many guys. I would, I would, I would guess that he would fall short because again, it's the unfortunate thing of if you're a bad team with a couple good players, you're kind of in that you're weird spot. Only one right? going. Yeah, so Brian Reynolds probably not going, right? That's brutal because he's so much more deserving than Frazier. Right. He's having a better That's season than Frazier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he could if a lot of guys opt out. You just never know. Like, obviously, like we've heard for a while that DeGrom won't pitch, right? Like, so you're going to start to see teams that don't want their pitchers pitching. So that's going to change here a little bit, I think, too. Um, but, yeah, but that's part of the – NL outfield, the Castellanos are going to want to go. It's their first one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so that's not going to open up a spot for Reynolds. And Acuna, I think, will yeah. probably want to go because he – he loves it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the other thing. There should be a DH in the NL, like selected. Maybe that's the player with the most votes who didn't get voted in to start at any other position. Mm. Like, what would you what would you say should be the criteria for a DH being added? I think you've got it. Just the, it's like a yeah. util spot in fantasy where you just, you know, the leading vote getter didn't make it. Yeah. I wonder, I, do we yeah. have that? JD Martinez should be the guy, right? That would be my. Well, they got a, they voted one in for the AL, but they don't vote one in for the NL. Yeah, and they should. And it's like you're going to use one, so yeah. Why not just either put players? I I don't know how you decide to put guys on the ballot as a DHs for a league that doesn't have it. Now this problem could go away in 2022. This could be the last time this is ever an issue. Yeah. But if they said, "Hey, Brian Reynolds, you had the most votes of anybody who didn't get voted in as a starter. You've been selected as the NL's DH." starting DH for the game as a result of being the highest vote getter. They don't um they didn't give us raw votes. They um I think they did in the press the initial press release. I'm, I'm looking at the email they have votes. You are? Hmm. Maybe it's in the PDF here. Do you guys have a favorite thing about the All-Star game by the way? Is there any one aspect of it? I mean, I know uh we've been a little more tech savvy in recent years with some of the things that have ha- happened around the game and home run derbies change like the new format for the derby from a couple of years ago the the head-to-head that was bracket style i think my favorite thing is the derby actually uh ever since i went uh and so i used to make fun of it because the whole chris berman uh how many Awful. homers yeah. can you watch uh thing but then uh i was at the one where stanton hit it out of petco uh mm-hmm. and uh, I was in the stands. Like I, I left the press box, I because I didn't have to write about it anymore. So I just I was sitting in the stands watching Stanton pitches, and I was like, "This is fun." Actually, <laughs> I turned around on it completely. And then, and since that one, we've had a lot of sort of close, fun matchups, you know. And uh, yeah. so I, I think my favorite thing is the Derby. 
I think it's going to be fun this year, especially because Trey Mancini got invited to do it. And so that's going to be like a cool feel good story, right? Like the guy had can't stage three cancer last year. Now he's participating. Um, crazy I think if you it's going it. to be fun. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and he's not totally out of his league, right? He's a guy who's hit home runs. It's not like he's some welterweight that they just threw in there. So, mm-hmm. um, I think it's going to be cool to watch. I normally don't get that excited about it, but we're going, you know, and I are going. And I think it's an yeah. event that's cooler live than on TV. Yeah. I think on TV, it's kind of like cool. I'm watching like BP. Um, yeah. I think it's much cooler to, be there it's only my second all-star game but i remember um in dc a few years ago being like okay this is a much cooler event live yeah. um would recommend if anyone has the 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 means or whatever to go i think it's more fun than the all-star game to attend live i think the all-star game very quickly becomes not a good game yeah yeah plus there's like uh on-field camaraderie they do an okay job of, of showing it on on tv but there there are a lot of players on the field like Yes, and in the dugouts and stuff like the all stars come, so you actually get to see the all stars, but you see them in a way that you don't during the all star game. They're like hanging out yeah. and like giving each other high fives and stuff, and like yeah, like Prince Fielder's son or whatever is there, and yeah, it, it's cool. It's a it's a kind of a, a cool feeling. Um, we're in details. Uh, it looks like a five to seven p.m. If anybody's listening in Denver, five to seven p.m. on Sunday after the Futures game. We're going to be at Tivoli Brewing, uh, and we're going to play wiffle ball, uh, beers, and uh, we'll have at least drugs. seems like a really fun way to spend your Sunday evening, afternoon. Uh, so hope yes. we get to see you there. Yes. I'm- we lost you for a moment at, at least. What did you say after at least? Me? Yeah. Yeah, you froze. Oh, well, that's too bad. Uh, so you didn't get the, the whole thing about <laughs> Tivoli Brewing? We got the time and the place, but you said at least, and then you cut oh, out. Oh, okay. So we're going to be at uh, Tivoli Brewing, 5 to 7. Uh, we're going to be playing wiffle ball. Uh, there will be at least one food truck there. Uh, so we're going to have uh, food, wiffle ball, beer. Uh, Sunday afternoon in Denver. It's like 10 minutes walk from the uh, from the ballpark. So seems like a seems like it'll be a fun time. So anybody in Denver, come on down. Awesome. Yeah, the at least. I'm like, it could be anything. It's, it's Edo's party that he's put together. Like the at least, We're going to have at least 10 jugglers on the scene to like do tricks for us? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of stuff you've got lined up. I don't know why I'd be jugglers exactly, but uh, glad you guys got that uh, put together because those live <laughs> gatherings are uh, a lot of fun. <laughs> right. Yes. I had no idea where you could have been going with that. Uh, one more all-star related thought. Vlad Jr., Again, first-time selection. Is he going to win the Triple Crown? It's, it's just semi-related to the All-Star game. Like, What do you think about the possibility of, of this actually happening? It's amazing. I think he could. Um, it's possible. And the fact that we're even talking about that is crazy. He, here's something that's crazy, even crazier. He's projected to do it. <laughs> like Projections are usually like the same guy in the room. We're like, no, he was, he's going to regress. You know, He's projected to do it. <laughs> Uh, to hit the most homers in baseball the rest of the way he's projected to have the best batting average in baseball the rest of the way and he's projected to have the most rbi in baseball the rest of the way like the projections say he's gonna do it which is just crazy that's like the 50th percentile outcome is he wins the triple crown so uh i I think that's nuts and then we're gonna have the most impossible voting choice ever uh, uh for mvp 
it'll, it'll be a reprise of the Miguel Cabrera situation uh, where you've got a guy who won the triple crown and then a guy who, you know, won seven games on the mound and hit 35, 40, maybe 50 yeah. homers. You know? <laughs> I hope I don't have that one. I really don't give me manager of the year. Give me NL Cy Young, uh, you know, just something simple. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, right. I say that and I say that and DeGrom could hit the IL tomorrow or something, but uh, you know, hard. I think, have you guys, I don't know how much you guys have delved into this, but what's crazy to me this year, and I keep forgetting, is that the draft is the same week as the All-Star week, which apparently has really angered a lot of front offices who usually take their family. That's like the only time, if you're a baseball ops guy, you can go on a family vacation. And now it is like the draft. I've heard from multiple guys, like, this is awful. But I also think for a sport really trying to prop up its draft it's kind of going to be overwhelmed and overshadowed by the all-star stuff a little bit. What do you guys think? Yeah. And the futures, it's like the same day as the futures game. So it's like, okay, well, we don't care about our minor league all-stars or no one's going to see that game or, or you have to choose between watching the minor league all-stars and the draft or. No, those should be lined up where the futures game plays into the draft, right? The draft's going to be primetime Sunday night. Ah, futures games in the afternoon. Okay. I don't get this. Why is the Futures game only seven innings? I mean, I know pitchers, but just invite more. Like, showcase the guys for nine innings. It's one of the few chances you get to see most of these guys on TV before they become big leaguers. Right. Yeah. Perplexing. Uh, we are aware of it, though, because uh, Keith Law is going to have the like busiest three days of his life, I think. <laughs> yeah. I just... I don't know. With the news cycle, like say something crazy happens at the all-star game, then all the, like usually the draft takes place in June. We're not at the trade deadline. The games are important, but they're not critical, right? It's not like every, we're, we're scoreboard watching at that point in time. So I guess I'm just really curious about the change because it felt like the draft had a little bit of a stage in June. And here it's mm-hmm. just going to get swallowed up by. There were some awkward someone things. Hitting- but there were some awkward things in, in, um, in June too, where like they'd be playing in the college world series and you get drafted. Remember? Yeah. Yeah, That's not perfect. When you've got teams still playing the final few series of that and you know, you draft a player and you're like, man, I hope this guy doesn't get hurt, especially pitchers, but anybody could get hurt in those games. Uh, I I think having the draft stand on its own makes more sense to me than making it a part of all-star weekend. I'm curious to see if there's, you know, like a, coverage related marker they're looking for if they say oh actually the viewership was up having this on the sunday before the all-star game so we're going to keep it there or if between the negative feedback from front offices (laughs) and a possible lower rating they say "Eh, actually no june was just fine we're going back to june because i don't have any i don't recall seeing any reports that this is a permanent change this seems like a thing that will be decided on probably in the next few weeks for next season yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure they'll be looking at, at ratings. Yeah, it's just interesting to me. Like, the change is interesting. Will will it end up being better? I don't know. Maybe. I just think I just think there's already a lot going on that week. But that's just I, me. I feel bad. I, do, like, I don't want to set aside the – I don't want to laugh at the, the front office thing. It's Like, it's a tough job. You don't get paid that yeah, well. it is. It's really, like, hardcore for nine months a year. Like they do get to take a break in, 
in like after after the winter meetings they get they have about like a three week time where they can take a break but it's also the holidays when everybody else is traveling too right like it's not like super easy to travel then you know oh well you get christmas off oh thanks <laughs> yeah you don't you don't want to opt into extra travel you got to go see family because your family's far away okay you travel around the holidays but generally i don't think people uh, elect to get on an airplane around that time of year it's not uh, not pleasant from from what i'm told but uh strange to say the least looking forward to a ton of things all happening at once though next weekend so more baseball than you can wave a stick at i think is the expression not sure why people are waving sticks that's bad it's a really stupid expression yeah (laughs) it's no good never never again never never again looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Breaking news. Oh no, what do we have now? (laughs) Breaking news. USA Baseball announces their Olympic rosters. Uh, It's an interesting group because, you know, it's during baseball season. (laughs) So it's like, there's no Mike Trout. (laughs) It's, Uh, it's, uh, yeah. I would say that the standout names are uh, Nick Allen, the uh, shortstop for the A's. Interesting that uh, he's going to go play uh, Olympic baseball when people in Oakland are like, he should be in Oakland. (laughs) Uh, Tristan Casas is a good infielder for the uh, Red Sox. Um, Bubba Starling is a baseball player. Uh, Scott, uh, Scott Casimir, you got these, you got a couple of old guys like uh, Todd Frazier, Scott Casimir, Edwin Jackson, uh, David Robertson are on this. Um, but on the pitching side, you do have Shane Baz, uh, and Simeon Woods Richardson and, uh, rise ball superstar, Joe Ryan, uh, from the Rays. So, uh, I would say it could be worse. Like, you know, it's a, it's an interesting collection of players and they could, they could win. I think they could win. Uh, yeah, they, you know, Baz and, and Richardson as their aces. Um, I, I don't know if they have the pop that you'd expect, but maybe Frazier can run into a few. Um, and uh, maybe Cassis will be, will be their third, their number three hitter. And uh, I could see it working out. I'd say it's veteran laden, right? You got yeah. guys who have been in, you've got guys who have gone to the world series before. You got guys who have won the world series before Jackson um, has as well. Robertson has those. You mentioned a lot of these names, you know, but they got three of the top 100 prospects, which, yeah. Is decent, decent haul. I think the coaching staff's really strong here. Uh, Mike Sosha obviously managed the Angels forever, veteran manager. Uh, Dave Wallace is the pitching coach, um, a dear friend of mine, also just a really strong, astute baseball mind. 
longtime Atlanta Braves. He was with the Orioles. Um, I think he's got 25, 30 years of, of big league, uh, pitching experience, coaching experience. He's been down at Eric Cressy's working with, you know, Brad Peacock and Chris Tillman and guys trying to get back to the big leagues. Um, I think it's a, it's a fairly, as strong of a roster as it can be, keeping in mind for people that aren't aware, if you're on the 40-man roster, you cannot be eligible for this. So as Eno joked, no Mike Trout, but also just a lot of guys that aren't even in the big leagues were not eligible for this as well. Um, what's kind of unfortunate here, um, Adam Jones left off the list. Um, I spoke with him a little bit yesterday. Obviously disappointed. He's playing in Japan right now. Uh, it was such a you know, th- that iconic catch of him robbing Manny Machado was such a big deal um, yeah, at sad. the last Olympics. He should be on it. He would actually be better than some of the players that are listed. He wasn't selected. He didn't really go into detail um, uh. with me, but he, you know, wasn't selected. It really would have been kind of the, the cherry on top of the Sunday, I think, of his career. That would have been fun. And, and uh, you know, uh, not for nothing, I would, say the, I would say the Japanese team are the favorites. I'm, I'm looking at who's on this team. Uh, Tanaka was the, the headliner, but, uh, Sugano, uh, is, uh, is on the team. Um, uh, we've got, uh, the, the, the Japanese home run leader, Muniteka Murakami, uh, is on it. So like, I feel like they picked an all-star team. So if you've got the Japanese all-star team against the non 40 man American baseball team, uh, I would, uh, say the Japanese are the favorites. Seems very reasonable. Yeah, it's really interesting that that mix of players does include those two prospect pitchers in particular. Uh, Boz is having an amazing year in the minors, so I'm really curious to see what he does on that stage and also curious to see if or when the Rays want to make him a part of their 2021 plans, even if they want to break him in as a multi-inning reliever and then shift him back into their rotation for the start of next season. That doesn't seem far-fetched based on uh, how well he has pitched uh, over the course of the season. We had a bunch of sticky stuff questions come in. Uh, one from OJ, who we uh, avoided a quarrel with a few weeks ago. And he writes, over the past two years, there was a lot of talk about the death of the sinker and much analysis of pitchers was that so-and-so should lean into his four-seamer and ditch his two-seamer. Is it possible that the same physics that improved four-seamers, the increased ride you could get, was damaging two-seamers, preventing them from dropping as much as you'd prefer? It doesn't seem as if you could clean up your grip between pitches after all, so you'd get higher spin on everything. Thanks for your consideration. Nice having everyone back together again. OJ. What do you think about that, you know? Uh, one thing that was interesting was uh, when I checked out uh, uh, when I was writing about the sticky stuff for the state of the game right now, um, I found a piece by Travis Sochik where he actually mentioned that there uh, there's something like 10% of pitchers have actually already made a significant switch between their four seamers and their singers. Like there's already more sinkers in the game now than there were, uh, there were a month ago. So than there was a month ago. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think it's happening already. Um, I don't know. I, I, the physics of, of, of pitches is, is, uh, just a really tough one. I do think he's right though. Spin or sink. And so if you are chasing spin, you're not going to have the sink. Um, that's, I guess, where the sort of difference between a two seamer and a sinker comes in. Uh, a lot of people were with high spin, high four spin, uh, high, high spin four seamers we're throwing two seamers that didn't sink. Um, so, yeah, I guess he's right. Yeah, there should we should get more sinkers. I don't know if they're all going to look like Strowman's, though. 
you know, like, you know, they might, we may get some crappy singers too. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, you're mentioning yesterday, I think we were talking about Tarek Skubal and the changes he was making too, right? The sinker was part of the adjustments. So I, I think it's at the very least a situation where you can't look at a sinker as the primary fastball and just run away the way we might have in the last couple of years. You have to be a little more careful, I think, about doing that. Not that you should have been doing that all along, but I think that was becoming one of the reactions people were starting to have uh, to that pitch. Thanks for that question, OJ. Uh, Greg wanted to know, he writes, maybe this is an absurdly stupid question. I didn't think it was a stupid question. But has MLB experimented with gloves as an alternative to sticky stuff for grip enhancement? Would pitchers lose too much feel if they had to wear gloves on their pitching hands? Batters wear them. Wide receivers wear them in football. Why can't pitchers? Gloves seem like they'd be easier to monitor and regulate than various sticky substances. Thoughts, Greg? Now, my, my initial thought is just pitchers wouldn't like to not be able right, to feel yeah. the ball on yeah, their skin. That's, that's why it hasn't yeah. happened. Yeah. Feel. But from a tech standpoint, Britt, this doesn't seem that ridiculous. Like you could probably get a very specialized glove that actually does give you the grip you want without having to deal with. Like, it, this isn't the worst idea I've ever heard by any stretch of the imagination. But have you ever even heard of anyone experimenting with something like this? Uh, first off, I want to let him know that I ask absurdly stupid questions for a living <laughs> all day. And this was not even in the vortex um, I'll ask a stupider one at some point today, I'm sure. Um, I haven't. My What jumps to mind is um, where guys put the tack. Guys are very sensitive, or some guys are very sensitive about where they put the sticky stuff. Some guys, and this is the reason there might be a problem, even with just a sticky ball, is some guys only like it on certain fingers. Some guys like it on their whole hand. Some guys cannot deal with a sticky palm. Um, and also, these guys are supposed to be fielding. So now imagine if they get a ground ball back at them and they can't get the ball out of their glove. So this has some, in my opinion, significant drawbacks in that regard. And then the gloves are actually harder for MLB to regulate than baseballs. Baseballs are made by MLB in one process. Yeah, gloves come from different manufacturers depending on who sponsors you. So Rawlings, Mizuno, not saying that these companies would cheat, but not also saying that guys couldn't slip a clubby a hundred dollars and tell them to spray some extra stuff on their glove. This yeah. is actually a lot easier because they have their gloves in their locker. This is actually a lot easier to manipulate than a baseball would be. I think so. And then you'd also have uh, second order effects where you'd probably have uh, like a science race. Uh, you've had this. Yeah, other, who can get the best tacky glove? The wide yeah. receiver. This, the wide receiver gloves are these days apparently. Uh, are helping doing these, these sort of one-handed catches that are so amazing that they're the tacky ass gloves is what I hear. So if you yeah. started to have the kind of wide receiver glove science race uh, for pitching, I think we would just jump right back into what we were just trying to get out of. I just like the idea of thinking about solving the problem yeah. in a different yeah, way. Really like having so many part. issues, getting the ball where we want it. So I, I like the creativity yeah. from Greg's question. Uh, one more question. This one came from Michael. He wrote, everyone is focused on the spin rate changes in the fallout from MLB's crackdown and sticky stuff, but is there anyone showing a marked difference in command plus that might be tied to this? Thinking specifically of guys like Aroldis Chapman who are scuffling of late and don't seem to be able to find the plate. Might command changes be a bigger deal than spin rate? What do you think about that one? You know, uh, That is actually what I said on Starkville was that it's well, it's possible the pitchers were right, and this is more about command and spin because if you look at the numbers, <laughs> strikeout rate is down from like 24 to 23.4, right? 
it's not actually that much. It's kind of what we predicted uh, when we wrote that piece. You know, we said it would go down, but, but not that much. Uh, it's in the realm of normal fluctuations in strikeout rate over the course of a season uh, in league strikeout rate. So you could almost say strikeout rate is unchanged. However, walk rate has gone from like 8% to like 9.5% or something, which is a larger variation than you normally see in walk rate. Um, walk rate is usually very steady around eight and a half, you know, over the course of the history of baseball. So it's a little bit of a walk explosion. Um, and it, it, when you're watching, like it often seems to be like, if you think about like what, like Garrett Richards and Earl is chatting when, when their sort of implosions are happening, you're, it's, it seems like they just can't, they, can't command the ball. <laughs> You're like, oh man, yeah. what if pitchers were right? <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah, that that part is uh, is true. Also, I asked Command Plus to to the guy, the makers of Command Plus stats, to do it. Uh, I need to get them to do a more recent update, but um, they saw an effect uh, in the first week of the Sticky Stuff Crackdown. Uh, yeah. like what what should have been league average command was already down to sort of like, instead of 100 being league average, it was already down to like 97. So there, you know, it's definitely possible. Yeah, which again means... It's a great question. Yeah, which again means, is it the ball? Is it the fact that guys aren't taught to command now? Are guys, you know, they, they, now right. we're in the weeds again with this a little bit. It, you know, what came first? Is it, a, is it probably a combination of everything, right? If you just promote guys who are spinning the ball... And, and guys have talked about this for years in clubhouses that guys aren't taught to command the baseball anymore to get to the big leagues. So is it because they don't have their, their, their security blanket anymore that helps? Uh, is it because they didn't learn that necessary skill? Is it a combination of things? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is, yeah. Is it because front offices fetishized uh, spin rate too much? Right. Yeah. I don't know. More questions than answers <laughs> at this point, as uh, kind of as we expected when this crackdown started. It, it, we're talking about like second and third order effects from something that was instituted like a week and a half ago. You know? <laughs> so like we're gonna have to we have to wait a little bit to see what actually shakes out. I think in terms of results on the field, we we can see that for sure spin is down. Yeah, there has been a clear impact, but we haven't seen the full weight of the impact just yet. Yeah. Thanks a lot for the sticky stuff questions. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash rates23. That's linkedin.com slash rates23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash rates23 and get started.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's get to beer of the month. I feel like we missed June completely, so maybe we'll get one early July and late July. Uh, you know, you look like you might have had a few beers yesterday. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I did. <laughs> did any of them merit beer of the month selection? Yes, yes. Uh, we had a great meetup last night at uh, North Park Brewing in San Diego. Uh, thanks for anybody who came by. Uh, seemed like there were mostly Rates and Barrels listeners. So uh, real shout out to all of you. That was really fun. Uh, had great conversations. Uh, some ideas for pieces. Some ideas for uh, some stuff to ask people. So uh, that was really fun. And the beer that uh, I will choose is uh, their Hop Foo, uh, which has a kind of a cool backstory. It um, was, it, it is like the brewer's dream. It's like the, what happened was this was like a, an award-winning homebrew that kept winning awards and it actually got him the seed money to start North Park Brewing. Uh, so that was, Hop Foo is the, is like how he got his job. Um, and so it's a, it's a really nice West Coast IPA. Uh, so that's it. It's a, it was, a, you know, it's everyone's sort of, rags to riches kind of dream you know i was making this in my basement and uh now i've got a brewery so it was uh it was it was a fun time thank you okay nice nice um so i don't know if i've ever mentioned this on the show but we live walking distance to the guinness brewery nice. um there's there's two there's one in ireland which i went to when i went to ireland uh last two years ago i guess and um, hopefully today, if all goes well on the reporting front, I'll join friends at Guinness later. Um, and usually I do a little sampling of all the stuff that goes around. As it gets hotter and it's been brutally hot here in the D.C., Maryland area, um, I usually switch to the lighter like Guinness Blonde, uh, probably what I'll end up doing. But the last time I was there, I had – my husband thinks this is disgusting. You guys are beer experts, so I'm I'm – Gonna rely on you guys. I had like a nitro beer. It was half cold brew, like half coffee and half beer. And I mm. thought it was delicious. Yeah. Like the upper and downer, probably not great for you, but it tasted yeah. <laughs> like chocolate. Uh, <laughs> I mean, no, that's, you don't drink I've, beer I've for the health a, benefits. I've had a beer like that, yeah. you know, without the coffee part that do have the nitro thing, like left hand milk stout has like a little nitro, nitrous thing in it. Um, and those are great. It wasn't it like super smooth, like just uh, like, Thick and smooth, like, like creamy. Like the the, yeah. text, the yes. texture of nitro creamy, beers is, yeah. is amazing. It's so good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, really I good. That. Like you. Okay. That. Yeah. So I'll probably <laughs> if I'm feeling real crazy or like I'll probably get that because I had that last time and it was yeah. just I had that in a pretzel and I was like delicious. this is living. Yes. <laughs> please, please get that. It is well deserved. And like I wish I could have one of those because I'm, I'm right all. Now for- all for coffee. Yeah. yeah, I'm all for coffee and beer being put together in any means possible. So that sounds terrific. Uh, my selection does work well with the typical July heat. I mean, it's been gross in a lot of parts of the country. Uh, the beer I'm recommending is Kid Kolsch from New Glarus Brewing. Unfortunately, 
you can only get it in Wisconsin. So that helps absolutely no one. So I'm just going to say yeah. any Kolsch from any local brewery that you like, it's worth trying. It's a lower ABV. It's lighter and refreshing, a little bit fruity at the end, very well balanced, just a great style that I think doesn't get a lot of appreciation you know in in a world where ipas and, and stouts have dominated for a long time the kolsch is kind of a, a forgotten like a lost art sort of thing and new glaris does a great one but obviously like 98 percent of you can't get new glaris kid kolsch where you are so i highly recommend a local kolsch you gotta, you gotta kolsch yeah the kolsch is cool because it's it, it's it has the sort of feeling of a lager but it's got a little bit more taste i think yep you know it's yep. a little bit a little bit sweet a little bit uh, crisp. I like. I like it. It's a good spirit. As a German, I think I was, I was born to like that beer. <laughs> yeah, and you can and you can get flavors in it too. Uh, there's another brewery here, Carbon Four, that does a watermelon one. Uh, America uh, as F is the name of the beer. So <laughs> obviously, it's made for the Fourth of July, and good, it, good for this weekend too. <laughs> a beer yeah. specifically designed for the Fourth of July. Uh, we mentioned it up top hot dog eating contest this week. I just thought it was interesting to bring this up from an odds perspective because we thought the NL Cy Young Award odds for DeGrom were pretty ridiculous as DeGrom being a huge favorite. Joey Chestnut is minus 5,000 to win. <laughs> you have to bet $5,000 on Joey Chestnut to win 100. To win one, to win 100. Oh, my God. <laughs> what, uh, what, uh, what do you got? What, who's like a, 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 a like the second best? You just, I, you just take the field at plus 1100. You get everybody else in the field for plus 1100. I can't. That one. I mean, something could go wrong Somebody's for Joey. Him someday. Yeah. 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 We, we were just talking about the whole vomit situation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, plus 1100 on the field. If I had to bet it, that's the side I would go on. The over under for Joey is 73 and a half hot dogs, and it's minus 225 on the over. It's plus 170 on the under. So, oh, that's so gross. What two hundred twenty? No, minus two. He's minus two twenty-five to go over seventy-three oh. and a half dogs. Oh, I misheard for a second. I was like two hundred twenty-five hot. Oh god. Yeah, gonna be sick. <laughs> Even seventy-five though is gross. <laughs> too many. Way too many. It's about seventy-three too many. I think. And, uh, and I don't care what I don't care what you, you put eat, on your hot dog. What could you eat way. seventy-five of? Any of you? Could, any, like seventy-five fries, maybe. <laughs> could you eat anything? 75 of anything? French fries. 75? Tortilla chips? French fries, like, t- like tiny little um, chocolate chip cookies, like the Entenmann ones, maybe? <laughs> still a lot of cookies. <laughs> a, a lot, lot of cookies. cookies. I, I love nuggets, but 75 nuggets? Yeah, 75 is a lot. Did I ever tell you guys about the 18-wheeler dealer that we had in college? It was basically our chicken nugget basket that they had over at the, the dorm food service place, and... It was 18 rings of chicken. How gross and processed is that with fries? And we had a kid that what would eat. Ring of chicken? Uh, I don't even want to begin to think about it, but he would eat two full baskets and then try to get remnants of other people's baskets, which was a feat of strength. And it wasn't like he was, you know, like a person that ate a lot all the time. He just loved the 18 wheeler dealer so much that he would clean house and take down like 6,000 calories. So uh, that, that's sort of my competitive eating story for uh, for today. But we got to go. 
We hope everyone has a happy and safe holiday weekend. If you don't have a subscription to The Athletic, you can get one for $3.99 a month at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. Lots of great content there, including the great reporting that Britt and Katie Strang have done on the Trevor Bauer story that you know and I talked a bit about on yesterday's show. Uh, lots of other great coverage, of course, to check out as well. On Twitter, she's at Britt underscore Giroli. He's at Eno Saris, and I am at Derek Van Riper. That's going to wrap things up for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We are back with you on Wednesday. Thanks for listening.